angels of the covenant to guard round about them everywhere they go, that their light might not be put out, but it might shine in a nation that is totally different than we understand, but that they might stand out in such a way that they are protected by you, that the gospel of Jesus Christ would go forth. Father, we pray for all those, our countrymen, that are in danger right now. God, that you'd make a way where it seems like there is no way. That they would be able to uh, remove themselves from the danger in that nation. Make a way for each and every one that is innocent that needs to move out and move forth. God, put your hand upon that nation. People have given up on that nation. They said over history of time, it's just a broken nation. But God, you care about every tribe, every tongue, every people, and every nation of the world. Jesus died for them. And so we pray. We pray that there'd be an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in that place, God, to bring a change, a dynamic change, that your will would be done in that nation of the world as it is in heaven. God, we pray for the leaders throughout the world who are making decisions concerning that nation, making decisions concerning the lives of people. Decisions, big decisions, life or death decisions, God. Give them wisdom and understanding. Remove them from just their self and cause them to see a bigger picture that only they can see by the help of the Holy Spirit of God. We pray for them, God. Not only that we would lead a quiet and peaceable life, that others and and people who are in different countries would lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. We thank you for that. Father, we pray right now in our midst. We pray for Congresswoman Boebert. We thank you, Lord, for the things with whom she has to do for our state, our district, God. Give her wisdom and understanding, clarity of thinking. God, help her to see things that others may not see, create dynamic change, to bring help, that we might live in the abundance that you have given to us. We might live in the peace that you've ordained for us to live in, that we might live in the freedoms that you have given us to live in. God, anoint her and strengthen her for this very hour, this very time. She might serve you and serve the people of our state and our district with power with wisdom, with strength. For all that comes against her, God, strengthen her in her inner man. For all the onslaught, all that the enemies would bring against her, all that her opposition would bring, I thank you, Lord, you give her strength from the inside out. That though she's hard-pressed on every side, she'll never be crushed. Persecuted, she'll never be forsaken. I thank you, Lord. Lord, Many situations perplex her. She'll never be in dismay. She knows where her strength, her life, her wisdom comes from. We thank you for that. God, we thank you for healing power, delivering power, restoring power, being present in this place and around this campus. The salvation in its totality would be realized for each and every one who believes. And we'll give you all the glory and all the praise for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good evening, church. How are you? 
That good, huh? How are you? Praise the Lord. It's good to be with you tonight. Good to see you. Youth, how are you doing tonight? Praise the Lord. We are glad that you're with us, but we're going to let you go to a youth meeting. Give them a hand as they go. And then greet four or five people around you. Tell them that you're glad that they're here tonight. How are you? Good to see you. Hey there. Glory to God. Good evening. Great to see you all. Praise the Lord. He's good and his mercy endures forever and ever. Just got a couple of announcements uh, to make just to to remind you, let you know. Next week, we are celebrating our 40th anniversary, 40 years from faith to faith and glory to glory. Amen. God has brought us from one degree of faith to the next, and he's taken us from glory to glory. Everything that he's done. He said, you know, when uh, the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, he said, you know what, build, set up stones as a remembrance of what God has done. So even that your children and generations to come will recognize what God has done for you. And so these times of regal remembrance to remember what God has done, what God is doing, so that we can look forward to what God will continue to do as Jesus tarries. He plans on doing uh, much more than he's even done up to this point in time. And really, there's just so much to understand that even what he's doing right now, so often we get uh, focused on, on really, uh, you know, what is God doing for me? But whatever he's doing, whatever you're responding to in faith certainly is for you, but it's not just for you. It's preparing a place and it's preparing something for the generation that is to come. And so we read about all of what we call uh, faith heroes in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and really, he can't even list them all. He said, time, uh, if time slips away if we start naming all of those people in the old covenant who believed God and set the path. He said, they believed God looking to the coming of Jesus Christ, and they didn't see the promise. But what they were doing in living by faith is they were preparing something better for us. And so as we live and we know that we live in the last of the last days and we live with faith that Jesus is coming again. And if you don't believe that Jesus is coming again, come on, wrap your heart around it because he's coming again. And he's coming soon. You say, well, we've heard that for, you know, uh, we heard that back in different moves of God. Jesus is coming soon, but he hasn't come yet. Well, really, our lifetime in God's perspective is still pretty soon. And he's coming, but if we live by faith And we live out a life of faith in front of the generation that is before us. Whatever our struggles, whatever we go through, we are setting a better path for those who are to come until Jesus comes again. And so whatever has taken place is really to set the stage for what we will do in the future. It's to set the stage for our children, our young people to rise up in their generation and really proclaim the gospel and deliver healing and deliverance to their generation by the Spirit of God. And so as we celebrate these things, it's not just like, okay, yay, 40 years, but we are celebrating something that God established, something that God has done, something that God is doing, and something that God will continue to do. And so we're going to have Pastor Craig and Sharon McCune with us. They're the ones that started uh, a new creation church, pioneered it here. And um, 
So we're going to be, uh, have a good time with them, honored that they're going to be here. And then we're going to have evening service uh, and, and celebration on Sunday night and Monday night. So I encourage you to come and to join us. And then uh, on September the 12th, we're going to have Nazareth with us, who is, uh, if you've seen him before, he was here a couple of years ago. He's a comedian. He'll get you laughing. A merry heart does good like a medicine. But something a, a merry heart does good is it, it just causes you to laugh and open your heart and forget about things and allow Allows the word of God to be planted in our hearts. And so uh, really, uh, it's just like a, a good farmer, you know, prepares the hearts and then plants the seed in it. And so he has the anointing of an evangelist. And so uh, bring some people with you, some people who love to laugh, some people who love to laugh who don't know Jesus so that they can have a revelation. It's our, one of our uh, parts of our mission is to reach out to people. And so really you have been given some, sometimes we think, you know, I don't know what my ministry is. Your ministry, my ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. That is to let people know that God is not holding sin against them. He's not imputing their trespasses. But through Jesus Christ, he brought forgiveness and reconciliation. And so he says, as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we are to plead with the lost. To plead with them. Not to be afraid of them. Not say, you know, if you want to, but plead with them. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And so, you know, that evangelistic anointing, it really just brings that to people's hearts. And so there's people that you've been talking to, you've been pleading with, bring them and uh, let that evangelistic anointing uh, get on them. Uh, if you want to take these out to invite somebody, there's these uh, uh, flyers or invite sheets of paper out there in the foyer. You can grab those, invite some people, tell them to come and... Uh, I know Pastor Tasha said this last time Nazareth was here, uh, a restaurant that we go to often. The waiter there, we know him well. We prayed for him. We prayed for his family. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've invited him to church before. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I might come. But Nazareth was there. Talked to him. Every time he came to the table, talked to him. And he shows up in church that night uh, just because that draw that the evangelist has. And so uh, uh, really good things will happen, so we invite you to do that. If you were here, weren't here this morning, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. Praise the Lord. If you're watching, you can give online. Uh, you can give by the text number up there. We've made a number of ways available for you to give. Praise the Lord. And um, your giving has really reached throughout the whole world, and um, glory to God, impacting people uh, in numerous places in the world from here, missionaries that we have here, others who are reaching into the world, other missionaries, and really even into local ministries that are reaching out uh, that we sow into right here. So uh, your giving is blessing a number of people, and thanksgiving goes up to God through your generosity. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are we ready? Father, we just thank you every opportunity that we have to give. We command the blessings of the word of God on each and every one tonight. God, that it returns to them good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over when men give into their bosom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Open your Bibles with me just for a moment uh, to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and the first verse. I want to share a couple things concerning healing tonight. We've been talking about healing. Praise the Lord. 
Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. It goes on to say in verse 2, it says, By faith we understand. By faith we understand, right? By faith we understand uh, that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. So he said faith is the proof of things we don't see. And then by faith, we understand that what was created wasn't just created by things that we see, but it was created by things that we don't see. We're going to share a few things concerning healing tonight, talking about really what we can see by faith. And so we want to understand what he's talking about here is when he's talking about it's the proof of what we don't see. He's talking about truly the optical, natural vision that you can't see. And the things that were created by the word of God, by the faith that is in God, that that world, when he says the worlds were formed and and he said light be, light didn't come from a place that, that was existing. Light that wasn't there came to be out of the unseen realm into the seen realm. But there is a way by faith that we can see. And so we live in this natural realm. We put on these natural clothes. We have natural optics to see. So I can see you. I can see these chairs. I can, you know, see other cars coming down the road. (laughs) You know, I can see things so that I'm not running into things all over the place. I'm not crashing into things. So I can see. But there's another level that God has given us to see beyond these natural optics, and it's seeing spiritually. When Jesus talked about Uh, really the sower sows the word in Mark chapter 4 as he shares that parable and people walked off like what is he talking about the disciples asked him what about this parable and he said there's something about the people who are just here is that seeing they don't perceive and hearing they don't hear he said they're going about this natural life and only depending upon what their natural eyes can see and their natural ears can hear but he said there's a hearing there's something from our spiritual life When we become spiritually strong, we're born again. The Spirit of God lives in our spirit. He gives us a way to see things that aren't seen with natural optics. He gives us a way to hear things that aren't in the natural, right? right? And we can do that on either side of it. We we know that in the garden that uh, God said, God spoke in their hearing, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or you'll die. And the enemy came and said, what did God say? He'll always say, what did God say? And she said, we're not to eat it or touch it lest we die. And the first thing the enemy said is, oh, you won't die. What God was really saying is God was really saying that the moment you eat of it, you're going to be like him, and he doesn't want you to be like him. And so all of a sudden, they started hearing something totally different than what God said. You know, I've sat in a number of meetings at different times and talked to people and said, are we good? You understand? You understand what we talked about? Yep. Two weeks later, I'm getting reports back. Somebody sat in your office and you said this and you said this. And I'm like, dear God, we didn't say anything like that. How did that get all mixed up? took me a long time to figure out how that got messed up. And one day I was praying, just came up on the inside of me. 
It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil syndrome. So there was understanding of what was said until they walked out the office, and as they were walking out to their car in the parking lot, the enemy said, what did he say? And the people said, well, he said everything's going to be all right. We're going to have to work this way and do that. And he goes, no, that isn't what he said. He said, you're doing terrible. He said, you're not worthy. He said, and those were never words that were said. So there's a way to hear what's not said that really comes out of a condition of our soul. And you're hearing something that wasn't said. But then there's something that when the Spirit of God speaks, you hear what's said, and the Spirit of God says, not what did he say, but do you want to know what he's really saying? See, there's something that draws on something on the inside of it. There's something that the enemy draws on that has already happened to us, that is our own emotion and our own feeling, and he'll ride that into destruction. But the Spirit of God will say, I've got ears that if you really want to know what's being said, I'll amplify that. I'll create an avenue for you to hear what's really being said, and it's not that you're not worthy. It's not that you don't measure up. It's not that you can't. But if correction's coming, it's to mold and to shape and to bring you into place of a higher potential it's a different way of hearing and seeing is the same that you can look at something and you can look at the news and go oh my god oh my god what 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 are we going to do or you can look at it and all of a sudden see this is what was being talked about about the last days and there's something glorious that god is doing though the world seems to be coming apart god's doing something at a higher level to prepare his church for something extraordinary there's a different place. And so Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. And he said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That you would see something that what would do what? It would create an expectation of your calling. Sometimes you just know you're, you're, you're like, I, I was called out of darkness into God's glorious light. And this is what I got. And you're just looking at where you are naturally and say, is this all we got? And God says, no, open up your eyes. I'm going to start bringing light if you'll open up your eyes, if you'll lift up your eyes and begin to see above the natural circumstance. Because faith, the eyes of faith, will start to see and convince you that there is what God promised beyond what your natural optics say and that faith draws the unseen into the scene, right? And so we don't want to see what the enemy wants us to see. We don't want to hear what the enemy wants us to hear. We don't want to just see what's temporal, what we can see today. I mean, thank God for what we can see today so you don't trip over the chair on your way out. Run into people, run into things. Thank God we can see the natural things and make decisions based on today that we need to make. But God says, I want you to lift up your eyes and I want to show you something. This is where vision comes from, from God, is we begin to see things that may seem impossible. But God starts to fill out and he starts to do some paint by numbers as we look at it. And what just looks like a plain canvas starts to take color. It starts to take shape. It starts to bring, uh, really come into reality, even though it's not right here. To us, it becomes more real than anything that we've ever seen before because it's something that we're seeing beyond the natural, beyond the temporal, takes us to a different place. 
And so as we really bring some of this principle pertaining to healing and to begin to see it and believe concerning healing power, if you need things in your body, it's going to be something that you see and can look at. But if you don't, God wants us to see it because these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. So it's just as important for us to understand whether or not we're sick in our body. We don't want to wait till we're sick in our body. We want to believe. But also, we want to be carriers of the healing power of God. Just as sickness is communicable, so is healing communicable. So open your Bibles to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, we're going to jump in in verse 8. Again, if you know anything about the story here, they're moving through the wilderness. They begin to complain against Moses, complain against God, which was called sin. When sin began to happen, then uh, fiery serpents were let into the camp. Fiery serpents were were biting them, and they were dying. Once they realized our, our sin opened up the camp to this, these fiery servants. They went to Moses and said, what are we going to do about this? God spoke to Moses, and he said, offer up an atonement. He said, build a fiery serpent of bronze, put it on a pole, and set it in the midst of the camp. And so, you know, to not go through all that, sin has come, and through that sickness and disease that kills people is there. And so... Um, Really, you can look at it in John chapter 13. Jesus said this, just as the serpent, just as the serpent, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. So there's a type and a shadow of this serpent on a pole and Jesus on the cross. And so just as they, that atonement would forgive them from sin and bring healing where they had been bitten by the serpents, even so, Jesus on the cross is a symbol of forgiveness of sin, but he's also the symbol of healing of the body. So in verse 8, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. When he looks at it, shall live. It doesn't say, notice that it doesn't say that just put the serpent on a pole in the middle of the camp and that'll be enough. Everybody who says the serpent is out there and I believe that the serpent is out there will be healed and live. It doesn't say that. It says put a serpent on the pole and everyone who looks at it, everyone who looks at it, and so we're going to break this down a little bit tonight because sometimes in our, in our just our, our thought and our method, well, I believe that, I know that, but there's something that he's saying here is, is he says, everyone who looks at it, everyone who stops and sets their gaze upon it, everyone who stops and looks at that serpent on a pole and begins to think about and process why that serpent on the pole is there what that serpent is there for, and what stopping and gazing at that is going to do concerning what is going on in me right now. And so looking is incredibly important. And how we look is incredibly important. So let's just look at this just a little bit. Number one, looking means to be occupied and influenced with. Looking, the way that God is speaking of this, looking means to be occupied and influenced 
with that looking. It's the equivalent of Abraham. Turn over to Romans chapter 4. means to be occupied and influenced as you stand there. Not pass by and go, hey, did anybody see they put that serpent on the pole in the camp today? Boy, I hope, I mean, have you been bit? I've been bit. I hope that thing does something for us. No, it doesn't say that. It says if you are bitten, you come and you begin to be occupied with that serpent on the pole. So occupied with that serpent on the pole that it begins to influence what's going on in you. So Romans, the fourth chapter Romans, the fourth chapter, we've looked at this a number of, of different times as we've looked at this. Praise the Lord. It says uh, in verse 20, it says, and he did not, speaking of Abraham, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that he had, he had promised, he, he who had promised was able to perform it. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Now turn over to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. God is speaking to Abraham. He's, Abraham sees God, uh, uh, has a vision. And God says, listen, uh, I'm here. I'm your exceeding great reward. And, and, and Abraham asked him again. God's already promised to make him a father of many nations. And he said, listen, how am I going to know that I'm so rewarded seeing that my heir, the only heir that would be in my house is Eliezer of Damascus. I don't have a son. And God said, Come here, I want you to see something. Come on outside. I want you to see something. And so he said, you look up, in this, you look up into the sky. So listen, this is what Romans was saying. Then he brought him outside and he said, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. He said, listen, something was going on here, and he didn't bring Abraham out and go, look up. And Abraham went, cool, stars in the sky, big deal. I'm talking to you about children, not stars. See, sometimes we do that. God's trying to show us something, and we're like, listen, God, I'm talking to you about what I want to talk about, and you want to take me outside and show me stars? And God says, no, I don't want to take you outside and show you stars. I want to take you outside, and I want you to look up. And if you'll be sensitive to me, you start looking at stars. And instead of stars, you'll see suns. Not sun like rises in the east, sun's offspring. And in that offspring, you'll start to see groups of stars, and you'll start to see nations. And the more he looked, the more he saw, the more he counted, the more he saw generations. He didn't see lack 
in his life, he looked and he saw offspring. With the natural optics, he couldn't see a son. With the natural optics looking up, he couldn't see a son. But with the eyes of his understanding enlightened by God, when he looked up, he saw generations coming from him. What he saw... By looking, by gazing, by, you know, I just imagine he took him out and he said, lay down for a minute. You know, it's amazing. I don't, you know, we live in a great place. If you live in the city, it's not, it's not near as cool, you know, to go out in the city and look up at night. But we still live in a great place. If you go camping, it's awesome. Tasha and I used to go out and, uh, before we got rid of our trampoline and we'd go out some nights and we would lay on the trampoline. And we would look up at the stars. And it was just amazing as you start to look at the stars. And we didn't see offspring or anything. We were just looking with the natural eyes. (laughs) Or maybe that's how the girls came about. I'm not sure. But (laughs) maybe it was that night on the trampoline. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But you look up and you... You look up and just, now I got to get that all out of my mind. That night was an amazing night. <laughs> now I'm seeing things I probably shouldn't. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Good night, everybody. Let's go. <laughs> But if you can go out, right, sometimes there's a distraction from what you see. If you're in the city and all the lights, it dims everything. It's harder to see. But when everything else is pushed away and you're just out and all the ambient light is not there, you look up and the vastness of creation and all the stars are there. And it's just amazing. What's even more amazing to me is all of a sudden you're laying there and this thing starts to move across the sky like, you're like, holy cow, that's a satellite. How'd they do that? I mean, there's just stuff that you'll see that will expand your thinking when you get to the place and you take the ambient noise and the ambient light away and you can begin to see. And all of a sudden, what you see really has this amazing place to start occupying your consciousness. You lay out there, you know, in the night. We've done it, you know, at Lake Powell and camping, and you just lay there, and it's just like, holy cow. The sky looks huge. And what does it do? It starts to occupy your thinking. It starts to influence your thinking of like, wow, this is so much different than just being busy in everyday life and not looking up, to just lay here and look up. And that's what God wants us to do when he says, look. When he said, look at the serpent on the pole, he said, stop for a minute. Get away all the ambient noise and the thinking and all that and look and stop and gaze until that serpent on the pole starts to let you know this is an atonement for your sin. By looking at him, you are forgiven. And that bite that is killing you, all the poison is being removed from your life and healing in life is being restored. But you got to stay looking long enough to see that that bronze serpent isn't just a decoration of artwork. That bronze serpent is the atonement for your sin, and it is now occupying your thinking and affecting and influencing what's going on in your body. 
And even so, looking at the cross of Jesus Christ and meditating on the cross and knowing he's not only the sacrifice for your sin, but he is the healing for your body. Looking at it long enough, meditating on it long enough, putting it aside long enough to all of a sudden have it occupy you. What Jesus has done for you, it begins to occupy not only your thinking and your mind, but it begins to occupy so much that you feel the influence that he took your infirmity and he bore your sickness and he said anyone who would look not just pass by with a glance but that would look until they were occupied and influenced just like Abraham looked until he was so influenced that he believed God would perform that which he promised. And he believed what he saw, and he kept letting it influence him, that every time discouragement started to come, he built himself back up in faith. He strengthened himself in faith, knowing that God was able to perform that which he promised. What did he do? He kept going back to the promise. He kept going back and setting his gaze. I believe when he got discouraged, all he had to do is go out and lay on the trampoline and say, you're able to perform I see it again, offspring. Every time I get distracted by ambient light and ambient noise, I just get away and lay down and go, stars of the sky. Isaac, Jacob, David, Jesus. Not just seeing, man, me and Sarah are going to have a baby. It went far beyond him. We see what God wants to do far beyond just a relief of symptoms, which I'm not diminishing that at all, but God has something more. Number one, looking means you're occupied and influenced. Number two, looking means that you give attention. You give attention. Turn over to Exodus chapter 26. Excuse me, Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. He said, if you will diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes. I'll put none of the diseases on you which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. Looking means, not only do I look and go, ha, huh, Looking means I begin to give attention to that. I begin to say, what does that mean? What does that remind me of? For the children of Israel, that serpent on a pole was reminding them, listen, their sin, their complaining brought this about. But that right there, if I give attention to that, makes me return to, listen, I'm not going to complain and abandon the commandments of God. It's time to return back to what God has said and what God has instructed us to do. Because in what God has commanded us to do and what God has instructed us to do, there is something 
in that, he said, if you'll do my commands, if you'll listen to what I'm saying and put it into action, it'll be health, it'll be strength, it'll be multiplication, it'll be blessing to you. This thing that's going on right now is because you decided that you didn't like what I had given you to do. And you begin to complain and say, can't we have it different? And he said, listen, I'm leading you in a way that you should go. And when you get off that track and and get out of giving attention to his words, inclining our ear to his sayings, then they depart from our eyes. And they're stolen out of the midst of our heart. And so when they're stolen out of the midst of our heart, they can no longer be life and health. He said, you got to give attention to it. you got to give attention to it. He said, when you give attention, when you pay attention with your ears, with your eyes, with your actions, when you do that, it's life and health. That's what Proverbs chapter 4 tells us. He said, my son, give attention to my words, attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because their life to all who find them, health to all their flesh, strength to our bones. He says, listen, set your eyes. Look at what Jesus has done for you. Look at every promise of God. Every promise of God, everything that God's promised has its yes and its so be it in Christ. What was God doing when he put Jesus on the cross? What was going on when he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement or the price for us to have peace with God laid upon him? When we look at him, when we gaze upon him, give attention, it's like, wow, right there we have peace with God. That wounding was for me so that I don't have to live wounded. That blood being shed is so that I can be forgiven and not have to suffer the penalty of sin. I'm giving attention. Now it's not just him on the cross. It's occupying me. It's influencing me. But now it's captured my attention. What does this mean? Why is he hanging there? Why did he suffer so badly? And if he did for me, then why am I? He said, looking means to give that attention. Jesus said this about the sower. He said, the person who hears the word and receives it, or who hears the word and gives it proper attention, Right, and that whole sower of the, uh, the sower sows the word. He said, the sower sows the word of God. And we've just looked at it. The word of God is the thing that reveals. It's the thing that opens up and causes you to see everything that God has done in Christ, everything that God has planned, everything that was paid for us. It's all in that word. Life and health are in that word. The will of God for you, your life is in that word. He says, but if you don't give it the proper attention, if you give it no attention at all, the devil comes in and immediately steals the word immediately steals the word. Now, when we get outside, and certainly I'm not judging any of you, it's happened to me, when you get outside of a meeting that when you're sitting there, you're like, man, that's good. That was a good word. And by the time you leave and get to lunch, somebody says, what was that about? And you're like, oh, man, it was a good message. What do you talk about? I 
can't tell you right now. But I know it was good. I know it was. The enemy stole, stole the word before you even got to lunch. And why did he do that? Because he understands better than we do. That if that thing gets planted in our life, he's lost an area of our life that he's been messing with. Because once that thing starts to produce, he's finished. Once we start to see what Jesus has done in that area of our life, he no longer can have a hold of that and exert power in that area. And he knows it's the word. So it'll come immediately. But he says if it gets planted at that moment, we're like, whew, that was a good word. I can tell you about it. But he says by Wednesday, pressure comes up. Things start to happen. And it's like, where'd that word go? Well, I don't know, but I got more, I had to give more attention to the pressure and the heat that was coming down on me than that word. I lost the attention to the word because I got it on other things. He said, that'll happen. Or he said, all of a sudden you'll get distracted and you'll give attention to riches and all the desires that you have and all that. And it'll start to choke out the word. And the word that you grabbed that said, God wants to bless me, now I'm looking and going, oh, yeah, but that's not enough. I need more. And what you think you want will choke out what God has said he's already promised you. Why? Because your attention to what God has said gets put on other things. So he said, listen, you're going to have to look until your attention is focused on Jesus and what the word says about what that death, burial, and resurrection has done for you. Every promise of God has its yes and its so be it in that. So looking means attention. Number three, looking means expectation. Looking means expectation. Now all of a sudden, we're looking. I've been occupied. I've been influenced. I'm giving it attention now it's starting to have meaning. Whoo, man, if he did that, this pain's got to go. This sickness has got to go. This arthritis has got to go. Come on, this confusion has got to go. This brokenness has got to go. This addiction's got to go. Man, I'm no longer looking at the, the addiction. It no longer covers me. The pain doesn't occupy me. The pain doesn't influence me. The, the symptoms don't uh, occupy and influence me. I'm not giving more attention to them. My focus is right here, and it's overriding everything else. And now expectation starts to arise in my heart. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 45. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22, it says, look, everybody say look, look to me and be saved. Look to me and be saved. Set your gaze on me. Set your attention on me. Look until you're occupied with an influence with me and be saved. All you the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Come on, when we set our expectation on him, he is God. There's no other that can bring about, no other that can satisfy 
Look to him. That faith in who he is, that understanding of who he is, is the foundation of our expectation. To believe God, to see what he's already done in Christ Jesus. Listen, when you set your gaze on Jesus like the serpent lifted up on the pole, when they saw that serpent lifted up on the pole, when they heard the word of the Lord that came from Moses to them, that anyone who is bitten needs to come and look at the serpent on the pole to set their gaze until they're occupied with and being influenced by, and now their attention is being consumed with that serpent on the pole. Now expectation begins to arise that what they thought was death To them, he's turned into life. That when they were bitten and thought, we'll die of this bite, now expectation of living and not dying comes because they've looked and they've set their gaze upon that. He said, this is the foundation, what he's done when we look at Jesus, the expectation Faith is the substance of the things that we hope for. Come on, he said in Romans, he said, if God, which God did, or since God sent Jesus to die for your sin, how would he not with him freely give you all things? He said, when you set your gaze on Jesus and figure out, oh my God, He sent Jesus to take care of my sin. How would he withhold? If he sent Jesus to deliver me and to set me free, how would he withhold anything needed to live in what God's called me to live in? If he sent Jesus to die on the cross and to lay over that whipping post, how would he withhold healing from me? Looking means expectation. Lastly, number four, looking means to consider. To consider. Turn back to Romans chapter 4. Verse 18, speaking of Abraham again, it says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So if he did not consider his own body, what did he consider? He considered the promise of God more than he considered the impotence of his own body and the deadness of Sarah's womb. See, so often we start looking at our circumstance and considering that, but if we get our eyes off of that and begin to consider what Jesus has done more than what we're feeling, more than what we're looking at in our own body, he could have looked and said, he could have looked and said, there's no way. I'm over 100 years old. 
I mean, God, really, look at Sarah. No way. But he didn't consider that. He didn't take time to look at what God didn't promise. He said, for everyone in the camp, everyone in the camp that went about their business who was bitten by a serpent, even though there was a bronze serpent on the pole in the middle of the camp, if they said, I know there's a serpent out there, but you don't understand I've been bitten. I'm feeling bad. I don't think I can get to the middle of town to look at the serpent. I'm pretty busy right now. I don't think you understand how much this serpent bite really hurts me. It's easy for you to say, go look at the serpent. You don't know what I'm dealing with. For every person who did that, died. Even though salvation was set up in a place where they could go and look at it and receive it. Didn't just happen. He said, listen, everyone who will go and look and set their gaze upon it. Everyone who will not consider all the circumstances and distractions and all the things that have happened prior to that and let the complaints still substantiate all the things that didn't happen the way they thought they were going to happen and all the things that Moses has done to hurt their feelings in the process. Everyone who will put that all aside and not substantiate. The reason that we're suffering with these serpents and being bitten is because... God didn't bring us through into the place that we thought he was going to bring us. I'm really disappointed with this wilderness experience. And really here, you know, God was showing off and doing miracles and bringing all this stuff down on Egypt. And then he opened the Red Sea and we left with all this gold and silver. And it was going so swimmingly until we got to this wilderness. And then Moses, who we thought was going to be a great leader, what's he doing? And that's why this is happening. And now he went and set up some bronze serpent in the middle of town and really expects us to come look at it. I mean, really. Saturday. We've got to go to the lake. Sunday is the only real time that we have to sit down and relax and talk about the bites that we have from the serpents. I mean, really, come and observe what God is doing. Really, come and observe what Jesus is doing. I mean, doesn't anybody really understand? God said, listen, I've made a way. If you'll not just glance, if you'll not just pass by, if it'll not just be routine, if you don't have time, but if you'll come, and stop and truly look, you'll be healed. You'll be healed. You'll be healed. Let's go out to your backyard tonight. Of course, it's a full moon, so it's a little rougher, but <laughs> look up into the stars. But God, expand your thinking.
then thinking all that vastness of what he did and what he created, what he promised you. Allow yourself to see Jesus. As gruesome as it may be, being beaten for your sickness and disease. The price that he paid for our sin to be removed and health to be restored to our mortal body. Not just think about what you already know and what I already know about that, but begin to gaze at it till he opens up a fresh revelation, a new seeing and a new knowing that begins to occupy your thinking day after day, begins to influence you day after day, begins to capture your attention, though busyness is going on around you, down on the inside, what's captured your attention is what Jesus has already done to bring healing to your body until a new expectation. Not that I've been prayed for a million times, not that I've prayed, not that I've looked at this before, but God's opened up something brand new that my attention is set on that and a new expectation of arising and having health. I now, now I'm looking from that. It's influencing me and I'm seeing myself without pain. I'm seeing myself doing what I always thought I'd be able to do. I'm seeing myself free from this infirmity, free from this weakness. Now I'm not only seeing him, but I'm seeing me in him different and faith begins to arise and the power of that faith to be a creative force to bring what is not seen with your natural optics what is not felt in your natural body to draw it from the unseen what you can see you can see yourself whole spiritually you can see yourself in that that place of seeing and gazing upon what Jesus did and you can see it but when you look at your body you're like no but I'm not going to consider that I'm going to consider this until it all of a sudden becomes drawn from the unseen into the seen and it may not happen today and it may not happen tomorrow I'm not telling you it's going to take 25 years, but for Abraham, in that 25 years, I'm sure he went out and laid on the trampoline and went, oh, yeah, you're faithful to perform that which you promised. I'm going to wake up in the morning and be about expecting the promise. And as he continued, God was faithful and performed that which he promised. Father, we thank you. We praise you and we magnify you. We glorify you.